Yeah, yeah. I'm a hustler, baby. I'm a hustler, yeah. baby. I know heartbreaks, setbacks. Bitch, if I crap out, I'm sure I'ma get back. I've been through the ups and downs. You know I get around, so to me, it's all a part of the game. If I ain't the cold man. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to or watching The Power Cast. And on today's episode, we will be recapping Power, Book 3, Raising Canaan, Season 2, Episode 2, and the title of the episode is Mind Your Business. Um, And of course, I'm here with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing today, Rich? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? <laughs> What's up, indeed. And I'm also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you doing, Dana? Hello, everyone. Excited to be here and talk about another episode that was actually good. Oh, yeah, very good. Uh, lots of uh, consequential things happening today. Uh, and, and those, I see those names. That, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> the Isle Scrap. Anger management mediator, hilarious. <laughs> and I'm the shady manager, of course. But yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all of that. This was a very interesting episode, you know, coming off of last week's uh, premiere episode. Um, and, you know, it just gets me more excited about the show and what we're in for this season. So, you know, we're going to, of course, we're going to, uh, we're going to first go through our takeaways. You know, each of us will give our individual takeaways from the show but before we do that just a quick friendly reminder if you are enjoying this content please do drop a comment let us know your thoughts you know whether it's a theory um about you know raising canaan or power in general or feedback for us you know definitely we encourage everyone to have their say you know uh, drop your comments let us know what you think and also, please do like the video because that is very important to us. It keeps us going. It, it keeps us, you know, um, coming back and doing more of these things, you know, possibly even for other shows. So please do engage, you know, with us. Hit the like button, leave those comments, and, and also consider subscribing to the channel. Um, and, yeah, we're going to look at more ways in the near future to, you know, make more content like this and also, you know, engage with you, the audience, more too. So, you know, we're looking into some, some doing some of that stuff very soon. But, uh, yeah, just a little bit of housekeeping right there. But now we are going to get right into our takeaways. And in this segment, you know, each of us are going to give just three, just three takeaways from the episode. These takeaways are personal to us, like things that stood out to us that, you know, we kind of want to uh, add our perspective to. So, so yeah. Um, we're going to do that. And this week I am going with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. first. So Rich, let us know your takeaways. Absolutely. So to, to copy what Dana said, this was another great episode of Razor Canaan. Um, I have three main takeaways that I enjoyed and I think are very important things to watch out for as the show continues. So first and foremost, Let's address and give a uh, rest in peace to Scrappy. Um, I guess that uh, he didn't see that death coming. I know that I saw it coming from a mile away when you saw how everything was happening in the episode. Uh, And of course, you know, it all started with uh, Worrell. Yeah, see, that's funny. 
It all, it all, so it all started with them, like in the last episode, they alluded to the fact that Raquel wanted to get Ra- Raquel in her operation because she's doing everything she can to make sure that Unique doesn't prosper when he gets out of prison. So she did that. Um, and you knew that that was going to cause an issue because we know that that Worrell has a history with Lulu. This is why Lulu was a little bit of against against that deal. But again, Lulu was stepping away from things because he's trying to focus on the music business. So what ends up happening in this episode is that Worrell is given the 40 blocks. You know, this was a, a, a big venture that they were going to dive into. And Scrappy, obviously, because he has been loyal to Raquel and everybody else, he thought that would be something that he was going to get. But the problem is that at the beginning of this episode, we had a conversation between Howard and Raquel. And Howard told Raquel, I mean, I'm going to get into them also because they are part of my other takeaway. But in the conversation they had, he did tell her that Scrappy basically was a snitch because he saw him at the police officers, you know, at the police office in the last episode. So pretty much he told them that information. And then when she went back and tried to consult with Marvin and Lulu, you notice that Lulu was against the idea of just trying to go after Scrappy. It figures that there's more to the story. Whereas Marvin was still pretty much leaning heavily towards, okay, we need to investigate this further and I'll be the one to make sure that I do exactly that. And that's what Marvin did in this episode. He, you know, they, they spoke, he spoke to Scrappy. Scrappy lied about hanging, hanging up a picture at his cousin's place. They went to, and then Marvin went to the cousin's place, confirmed that he wasn't there when he said he was going to be there. And then at the end of the episode, they just, they decided to take him out. So it's an unfortunate turn of events. The, I think the main thing that you saw in this is that Raquel is the one that took him out. And that is it definitely, uh, once again, the character is evolving because last season she was telling Lulu to take people out. And you recall that uh, Kanan's friend, Lulu had to take him out. So she, again, continues to evolve as a complex, uh, the evil character antagonist, I guess you can say, of the show or one of the antagonists. Um, but yeah, she's doing everything that she does because she felt as though he turned their back on them. And obviously, I, I, because he was talking to the cops, I think it's valid. You could say, yes, it's definitely possible that Scrappy was helping to a certain extent. But um, the fact that he had to be taken out is is very interesting development. Uh, so rest in peace to Scrappy. Uh, I was surprised the character has survived after last season. Um, and I know we, on this particular show, we were talking about, he was driving around the city and I asked the question, well, can he, can he really see good still driving around the city? I thought that was a little uh, crazy, but Hey, he was an OG. He was, he was, he was always down to help out everybody, even though he got shot and, and he only had one eye, he was still there. So rest in peace. Uh, my next takeaway, again, going back to Howard and Raquel. At the end of the last episode, you were led to believe that Howard doesn't remember anything that happened, or at least he's telling everybody he doesn't remember anything that happens. As soon as this episode starts and he has his conversation with Raquel, he tells her he remembers everything. He tells her that Kanan is a horrible shot. But what's also interesting is he tells her that he doesn't really feel like Kanan is cut out for this and wants to be a part of this. We know that Kanan also has doubts about being a part of the family business. So it's very interesting that he kind of knows his son and, and, and with the mindset that, yes, he probably doesn't want to do any of this stuff. 
So, you know, he did admit to her that he's going to try. He's going to tell Raquel the truth about who he is. And so what I find interesting now, it feels as though it's a back and forth chess game between the both of them, because for the for the longest time, she does. She doesn't want Kanan to do anything with Howard. She would tell him to stay away from Howard. You know, he may say some stuff, just stay away from him. But the fact that Howard is now making the decision to go out and again, try to make things right, because, again, he looks at it as he has a second chance at life. So now he has an opportunity to make things right across the board. So that's a very great dynamic to have that back and forth. I mean, obviously, we know what happens with Kanan in the future. So I think we can all agree that this is not going to turn out uh, well, positive, because none of those characters are in the future power show. So, but I look forward to seeing how the storyline evolves between those two. And I do expect there to be some back and forth stuff between them once again, especially now that he might have an opportunity to maybe in the future approach Kanan, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, and my third and final takeaway is about famous Gary's favorite character on the show. Now, <clears throat> as I said last week, we know that, uh, okay. Yeah. He said, no, that's not, he, he's not. Okay. As we know, last week on the show, uh, they allude to the fact that he gets high now. He hasn't been writing any lyrics and therefore he's in a situation where, He's not able to sell it in any any of his tapes, none of that stuff. So it, it's a situation now where he's really concerned about his music career. Obviously, Jessica, who is his sister, who is his manager, she is also got fed up with him trying to, because because of all the things that are happening. And then you saw in this episode that uh, he got caught sleeping at you know he he brought he brought a girl home and was sleeping inside his his home. His mother caught him. She also alluded to the fact that he was stealing money for drugs. Now, again, all the character does is smoke weed, but uh, obviously he has an issue with smoking weed. Um, but what I thought was important about this episode is that the end of the episode, you saw Jessica did end up taking that job that Crown Camacho got her in L.A. So basically, in my opinion, from a writer's standpoint, this now sets up the dynamic, whereas she's going to leave to do her thing. And unfortunately, she's going to have to make a return when something bad happens to Famous. I think that Famous is not going to make it out of this season. It was just my opinion. Because as we spoke, as we talked about last week at the end of the show, it feels like this character, obviously he's addicted to weed. I don't know if he's ever tried any of the stronger stuff. Because I do recall that uh, last season when they had that little party where that, that, that Nicole was at, she did try some of the, some some drugs at that party and in famous maybe he tried a little bit of something but the problem here is that because the character has had a shot at success you kind of would get the impression that he can once again rise to be successful but the fact that his sister is not there to watch his back now that's going to create a lot of issues and of course Kanan will do all he can to take care of him like like you said they tried to sell some of his mixtapes and that was unsuccessful but I think at the end of the day, it sets it's setting up this whole thing where something is going to happen to Famous at some point. He can get caught in the crosshairs, and and that's going to lead to Jessica coming back. Um, because I believe me, I don't believe that's the last we've seen of that character. And then considering the tension that continues to build between Lulu and Crowd Camacho, you know this is going to continue. Even though she's not there now, I'm pretty sure you'll see her again in the future. But um. It just feels like something bad is going to happen to Famous. And like Dana said, uh, Chris Chris Rock and um, 
New Jack City. Hopefully it doesn't get that bad for Famous, but it's going to get bad. So we'll see what happens. But overall, this was a great episode, a great follow-up episode after the strong premiere, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from here on out. Oh, those those are some great thoughts right there, particularly the famous one, because that kind of answers a question that I was going to have later on if we got time. Um, But yeah, that's that's a very interesting outlook on that, you know, um, on what would bring Jessica back. And, you know, if something were to happen to famous, I guess that would be one thing. But uh, yeah, so great, great takeaways overall. Um, you know, as always, you know, Richard's got a uh, memory like an elephant. He knows, you know, he remembers every single scene of this episode. So, <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he's got some great takeaways. But um, now we're going to go to Miss Dana Abercrombie and get her takeaways. So let us know your takeaways. Okay, so it starts off with a big monologue. The mistake is ever getting comfortable. And so this really was to show, you know, when you become too comfortable and in the kind of the position that you're in, even in life, whether or not it's drug or not, you start to, things start to slip up. People move without you. You get left behind. One of the big things is unique. Um, Unique kind of coming out thinking right away, boom, I can make it and be right back on top again, right? And then you kind of realize Raquel is taking control of everything. He got comfortable with the position of thinking that he's on the top and that he can automatically just reinsert himself with no issues. People have moved on. Raquel has taken over, like I stated, multiple territories. And right now he is untouchable. He had the police, you know, basically label him as a cop killer, even though he was framed. So that whole situation of when he decides to go to um, Dean uh, with, with the grandmother, who I'm convinced is fully aware of everything, but she just to pretend she knows nothing and is into her bingo game. Um, when he goes to Dean, he turns him down. And you see him very kind of upset with this, you know, thinking that, you know, because I had this position before, I could have this again and kind of come into the... the, the understanding that that's not the case one of the things that he says that stands out is there's no room for, there's no room for competition ain't no competition if i don't win so him willing to try to get back on the top on top i feel that this could be a calculated move that we have to pay attention to the words that he's saying even though he's not successful at this point what does that mean for the future? Um, you may kick him down, but I don't think that they have brought um, Joey back in for him just to disappear like that. It doesn't make any sense. And to me, it doesn't seem true to the character. He doesn't seem like someone who just walks away. Now, in terms of comfortability, he has to re-now position himself and maybe start getting help from outside sources. Um, so one, that was one of the things that stood out. Another one, obviously, is Jukebox. That whole situation that we go back from the previous season of the fight that she had with her father. You can't argue and say that she was comfortable in how things were. She lived with Marvin. They really didn't connect. He doesn't really have that paternal instinct that you would see 
um, she really reaches out more to Raquel and there's more of an understanding and a conversation that they have. And so now it's the whole situation of her being Marvin realizing that she is gay and that whole situation He's not accepting, and so it rocked her comfortability. And now she's reaching out elsewhere. And this is where we come up to the questions of, well, my mother, where is my mother? In hopes, kind of trying to find some sense of normalcy, but also just wanting to be loved at the same time. So she's being shook out of her comfortability, and now she's looking for something more. The whole situation with Scrap, which I, you know, I, like a happy death in terms of when the person is so darn happy they don't expect it or see it coming so that whole sequence in the car and walking in the warehouse made me so happy um that is to show that he thinks that he can do side and still comfortable in his position and not think other people are always looking out and looking to see what's going on he got comfortable there and so now he is comfortable in the grave and I, I just really liked how this whole episode really pulled it together. So those are my three takeaways. Excellent takeaways there as well. Um, I like what you said about, uh, you know, Dean's uh, grandma, because, you know, I, I got this funny theory that the grandma is like the real kingpin. Like she's telling Dean what to do. Like he, she, she's just playing dumb like she can't hear. You know, she's actually the real kingpin, though. Like, well, that's just a, a funny theory, but but yeah, uh, excellent takeaways there from Dana Abercrombie. As usual, we we always value your uh, perspective on things. So, uh, yeah, uh, we are going to discuss more of, of you know all that stuff in a little bit. But before we get to that, I will get into you know my personal takeaways. So, uh, first of all, um, you know jukebox let's talk about jukebox so she in this episode like she she seems very interested in tracking down her mother um and you know she even brings up the the subject to raquel you know where she also um you know what what did you know about my mom and stuff and raquel kind of you know she tells her she was a singer like kind of like you you know um Raquel does this thing where she's trying to be like, you know, um, uh, fake, fake, nice, fake concern, but she's also being manipulative at the same time. <laughs> so she, she does that very well. And that's what, you know, I love about the character. Um, cause it kind of seems like she's trying to keep jukebox away a little bit from her. Mother. Like she doesn't want her to go looking for her. Um, and I wonder what the reasoning is, but, but yeah, the response she gave made me feel like she, she doesn't want, jukebox to pursue her mother um and um you know as i said in in the last episode to me it feels like jukebox has a high emotional intelligence and i feel like she kind of senses that a little bit from you know uh both raquel and and maybe maybe even marvin you know maybe she senses that they kind of don't want her to seek out her mother um, and, you know, Jukebox seems like she's made up her mind anyway. I think she she is going to go looking after her mother. And um, I'm not sure if, because um, there was the scene where she spoke to Burke in this episode. And um, I believe Burke gave her some information, like 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 a, a, an address or something. So, 
yeah, I think she's actually going to to seek her out maybe even in the next episode or something like that. But we, we might actually see her. So so yeah, I think that's uh very interesting. And you know, like like we discussed last week, I'm just very I'm I'm really wondering how that is gonna change the character if she does go um, you know, looking for her mom and if she does eventually meet her. Like I wonder what kind of changes you know, what kind of impact that will have on Jukebox that leads her to the path that she she eventually goes in. Um, and, you know, we also see in this episode that, um, uh, was it Nicole, the, the girl who died last season, I think? Um, yeah, her mother was very upset in, in the, the, the uh, police station as well. And she's kind of still trying to blame um, Laverne, you know, for what happened. But Burke seems like she's kind of looking out for her. So, you know, that's something else that is probably going to weigh heavy on her, on her consciousness as well. And I think with all these different things going on in Jukebox's mind, she's kind of like trying to figure out her place in, you know, in the world and, you know, what she represents and, and, and all that stuff. So um, I think she's about to go on a very interesting journey in this season. So, yeah, that definitely stood out to me um and i also like that she's kind of she's kind of like a, a thing that keeps kanan grounded as well like she keeps him in check a little bit with himself like you know he's she jukebox is like his um his sounding board in the family so like you know if he's going through something he goes to her you know has a conversation i think she really like helps his his mind state as well and we see that a little bit in, in you know, the main power uh, where they're all growing up because, you know, where does Kanan go when, when Ghost stabs him up and stuff? He goes right to Jukebox. So, um, you know, that dynamic is already at play here in, in this season. So, yeah, Jukebox is a, is a very important character um, to this show. But uh, my second uh, takeaway is, you know, unique. So... It seems like his back is really against the wall right now. He just got out, and clearly, you know, his his the position he had is unattainable to him now because Raquel owns so much of the business in you know uh, Jamaica Queens, so he can't really get a foot back in in the game, you know. And he goes to see Dean and everything, and. They're treating him like he's just some some type of civilian. You know, the, the security is like roughing him up and not letting him in. And then, you know, uh, Dean basically tells him, you know, that you have no value. There is too much of a risk to work with you right now um, because, you know, the police are probably still looking into you. They like you were you were accused of shooting a cop. So it would look real, you know, funny for him to, 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 to work with unique, I guess, like it, it could bring a lot of heat to the situation. So nobody's kind of in unique's corner at the moment. Um, and, and of course, Worrell is now with Raquel, you know, uh, that, that was a very, uh, a very well-played card by Raquel to, to, um, you know, have Worrell to scoop him up and have him, be part of her business um he's even operating his own tower and everything so um that was a very strategic move by raquel um and you know we see they have a conversation unique and warrell and instantly you know when when Morel 
reveals that you know he's he's not down with Unique's plan or whatever. Unique knows instantly. Okay, so you're messing with Raquel because that must be the only reason you don't want to work with me right now. So, you know, he's a very smart guy. He is. It's like he's aware of how dirty Raquel plays. He's aware of her moves, and a, a character like that is very dangerous. Like he knows how Raquel works. Um, you know, he knows he was set up to to go to to jail or whatever. So, um, I want to see. You know what? Unique is going to do. He's a, he's a wild card right now. Like he could cause so many problems for Kanan and the family, because um, you know when your back is against the wall like that, you you know the only thing you can do is is fight your way out. You know you have to swing, you have to throw a punch. So he's going to do something very drastic. Um, you know in in the next few episodes, probably. Um, you know, so I can't wait to see what kind of move he makes. But he's uh he's definitely one to watch. And and also Joey Badass, like I, I recently kind of got into his music a lot more as well. Like it's really good. Like and a lot of his stuff is very nineties sounding as well. So he's like perfect for, for this role. Um so yeah, good, good, good actor, good character. Um and and my final takeaway is you know, taking out Scrappy, it, it was very cold, you know. Uh, very cold and it shows Raquel's ruthlessness in this season like she's she's she she went full heel turn in this show like the the first season you know it seemed like she there was a bit of good in her you know she she was a bit of a face you know to these are wrestling terms by the way but she was a bit of a face in the first season now she's full heel turn she's fully a heel now um and you know even Marvin and Lulu, who have, you know, killed for her in the past, they had to look away, you know, for this one. Like, it was that cold-blooded, like, and she was up close with the shot as well, you know, when, when she took the shot. Um, but I, I do like how they played this um, throughout the whole episode, because, of course, Howard told Raquel that he saw, you know, um, he saw Scrappy in, in the precinct, and that, you know, he's he might be giving up information. I like that they actually gave him a chance by, you know, having Marvin kind of feel him out and, um, you know, see what he's up to. And, of course, you know, Marvin caught him in a lie because he said that he went to his, his sister's house to do some housework. Um, and Marvin actually went there, you know. And, you know, whenever Marvin's in the scene, it's always comical in some way. Like, he, he has a lot of, like, energy. I like I really like the character. But, um, you know, he made something as simple as, as going to check at his sister's place. He made that an, a, an interesting scene. So, shouts to, to that actor also. Um, but, yeah, I like that they actually, they, they didn't kill him. They didn't make the decision to kill him right away. You know, they actually did try to see if, if it if it really was what it was. And you could argue that they still really don't know the truth. Like, you know, he might not have gave them up. Like, he, it could have just been an interrogation, but he might not have said anything. But um, but he did, he did lie about what he was doing at his sister's place, so that makes him suspect. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's sad to see the character go just because, you know, all the memories... Um, I really like some of the gambling stuff they did with the character, showing that he has a, a weak side to him. 
he has, you know, he has his vices and everything. Um, and then, you know, there's all these memories from the first season where him and Kanan were kind of uh, beefing. They had a fight even. Um, you know, the character, he, he came a long way. And his death is kind of a statement as to the game Raquel is playing. Like, she's playing at a higher level now because, you know, even just her uh, making the decision to give Warrell the tower over Scrappy that was a chess move right there, you know. Um, and, you know, you could argue Scrappy deserved it. You know, he, he worked his way up for it. But she was playing a game. She was playing like a real harsh game, you know. And his death is is a statement to that. You know, there, there's like zero tolerance um, for Raquel and, you know, the family at this moment. So, so yeah, uh, it's cool that we see a death of that magnitude this early into the season it makes me wonder who else is going to be expendable in this season um and yeah that's that's my final takeaway um so yeah an interesting round of takeaways right there um we are going to get to our questions and discussions segment so we can have more of a conversation now about about these things but before we get there another friendly reminder if you have something else to add to the conversation, please do leave your comments, you know, let us know what you think of any of the, you know, the things we've just discussed in our takeaways or any feedback you have about the show. Um, you know, uh, please do drop your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at Powercast Show. Um, and, you know, you can send us questions and stuff like that. We might read them. We might actually make a discussion of it on the show and credit you, of course. So, yeah, please do get engaged, hit the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and, yeah, with that out the way, let's get right into our questions and discussions. So I have a few good questions here. So let me see. Where should we go first? Um, okay, so this is a great one based on what happened. So. This episode kind of started with that conversation, with that exchange between, you know, Raquel and Howard. Um, you know, Howard was basically saying, you know, he he wants um, he wants to be in Kanan's life. You know, um, he wants Kanan to know that he's his father and everything. Raquel obviously doesn't want that. You know, she later went on to kind of manipulate Kanan a little bit by telling him that, you know, Howard's gone crazy. He he might approach you and say some 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 wild stuff. So be on be on your guard, basically, you know. Um, and yeah, like so. The question I have is, you know, this this manipulation from Raquel, you know, because she she's clearly not being honest with Kanan. She's you know she's not she's not telling him that Howard is claiming to be his father. She's just telling him that he's he's gone crazy. And not to believe anything he says because he's, you know, he's a bit loopy right now. Um, but my question is, do you think that this manipulation is going to backfire on her in some way? You know, so maybe Kanan will find out she's lying and trying to control him or manipulate him. Like, is this going to backfire in some way? Um, and, you know, if you have any idea on how that might happen, please do say. So I'm going to go to you first, Rich. What do you think about that?
Yes. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so to answer your question, I do believe it is going to backfire because it kind of feels like it that has to happen. I know you alluded to the fact that uh, she was started to be a lot more uh, manipulative with Kanan so far this season in the first two episodes. But even last season, you know, we recall that Kanan's friend where Kanan's friend got killed and Lulu had to take the shot and take him out. And then they went to go to visit his mom to just, I guess, try to console her. And the way she was talking with Kanan, you know, because Kanan obviously took the news hard. But you knew, again, all this stuff was a manipulation, even down to how the season ended last season, how she got him to try to take out Howard. Obviously, it didn't go the way that she anticipated. But she still is having him do all this other stuff. And it all started with this thing where Kanan said that he wanted to get into this to protect his mom. He saw that she was in trouble. I want to step up, make sure that you're protected. But as she said in the last episode, that uh, as and, and like Dana, like Dana also mentioned, is that um, she tried to make she tries to make him feel bad, like he needs to do this now because of all the sacrifices that have been made. But then also the simple fact that she's saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm also protecting you." That it's my job as a parent to protect you. So really, just trying to play this these mind games with Kanan back and forth. I feel like sooner or later, the character is definitely going to come around and see what she's doing. But I kind of feel like it may take losing a lot of things before that happens. Because again, we all know how Kanan turns out on the original Power Show. And as I said last week, there are a lot of bad things that have to happen to this character to fully turn him over. Because right now, the character is in a place where he doesn't really know if he really wants to be a part of the game. But obviously, that's going to change. So it makes sense for us to see how that happens. And yeah, it's going to definitely be a part of him eventually coming to a realization about his mom. But I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Uh, but it is going to happen. No doubt about it, sooner or later. That, that, that That's my thought. Okay, okay. And and what about you, Dana? What's your thoughts on this? So the question is, will Raquel's manipulation on Kanan backfire on her eventually? Eventually. Right now, Kanan's... Um, I don't, don't want to say he's slow to, to understand and piece everything together. You don't want to believe that your mother is like an actual manipulative sociopath. And so it's going to take some time for him to fully realize, but to kind of piggyback on what uh, Richard said previously was during that conversation that they had when they went to go visit the mother, he realized that, that his own mother was lying and it was slowly starting to click. And we've seen threads of manipulation and Kanan slowly kind of catch on. Um, Raquel you know, she she knows kind of what she can say in order to get Kanan on his on her side. Really, he's evolving and he's starting to become more aware of certain things. So he's going to figure this out. And that's when we're going to have the big two clashes between Kanan and Raquel. Um, I look forward to that. But right now at this moment, it's just a really slow progress. I just also want to say that I don't like how Howard is going about this situation, but also 
I understand why he's going about this situation. To me, it seems like he's very aggressive. And people don't take that aggressiveness very well, constantly being there, you know, constantly want to talk to you. But I understand that Howard has to take this approach because Raquel has such a way with manipulating certain situations and, and knowing what words to say that he may never be able to reach Canaan. So that's why he has to be aggressive. But at the same time, it's still a turnoff. Um, I do feel that Canaan will be in a pickle because just right now, everything in his life is just thrown up in the air. That sense of comfortability that he had member before going about will be the comfortable that sense of comfortability that he had in like season one when we first met him remember when he wanted to really was eager to be a part of his mother's lifestyle um he was comfortable with learning certain things and now the more he's learning the more he doesn't like it and the more he has to do the more he doesn't like it so i feel that this is really going to come to uh it's going to be a big moment for Canaan. I'm waiting for that turning point. But right now, what I love with the writing is that it can go either way. We don't know. Um, and because Canaan was so much older than when we got into the Power series, anything can happen right now. But they're building little seeds for that roadmap. But there's still a lot more ground to cover. Absolutely. Yeah, so... There is, there are many ways uh, we could go about it. And it, it does seem like they're kind of setting up, you know, some kind of big uh, explosion or rift in, in, in their relationship, you know, Kanan and Raquel. Um, and, you know, maybe this is going to be like end game stuff for, for, for this show, Raising Kanan, where it's like those two at odds. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it definitely makes for a, a good, compelling statement if you know the character Kanan um you know killed killed his mother and his son like imagine that you know because we know in in the real power he uh in in the original power he killed his son so you know imagine if he's the one to kind of take out Raquel or something you know and it it seems like you know they're building up to a lot of like you know tension between these two um and I wonder how far it will go because it could just be that, you know, Kanan is mad at her and then he decides to move out, you know, like like a jukebox did, you know, he, he might go live with someone else. Or it could, you know, fully escalate as, you know, he continues to get older and stuff. It could escalate and build up and build up to the point where he feels like, OK, I need to end this. Like, otherwise, she, she's always going to have some kind of hold on me for as long as she's living, you know, um, you know, and, and I, I just won't be able to get free from her unless I end this, you know, maybe it will build up to, to that point. But, um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's a very interesting thing in terms of how it specifically, I do think that if Kanan ever learns the truth, he, I, I think he's going to be curious about, you know, how it suddenly you know, being being the person who is his actual father, because all he's known is like Deathcon or whatever his name is. Like, you know, as far as he knows, that was his father. Um, 
So if he learns that Howard is now his father and he's living and that he, he, uh, he unintentionally, well, you know, because of Raquel's manipulation, he, he shot him and almost killed him. I think that is going to make him more drawn to learning more about Howard and spending time with him. So in this season, I, I definitely see that happening. And I want to know how Raquel is going to respond to that. If, you know, if Kanan and Howard suddenly build a bond together or something like that, you know, um, does that automatically mean that, you know, Kanan basically has to move out or something? Like, is she going to be able to live with that? Um, you know, and I mean, are they even going to be able to have a, a cordial relationship? Like, is it going to be to where, you know, Raquel is okay with them, uh, you know, seeing each other? Um, I mean, I'm sure it would cause a lot of complications with him being a, a police officer and her being uh, a drug kingpin. <laughs> so there's that element to it, too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get real interesting, I think, this season. With, with this particular storyline, especially as Kanan, you know, learns more of the truth because the more the more lies he uncovers, I think the less he'll trust his mother and eventually he'll he he'll he might turn on her or he's gonna feel very unhappy with, you know, the things that she's she's tried to instill in him. So yeah, I can't wait to see what they have in store for the for this entire storyline. Um, did either of you have anything else to add before we uh, get to the next one? I Go just want to say that they can't kill Howard at this point because it would completely drive Kanan away, just in general. So mm. um, he has to stay around. And so the real thing that I want to see is how do Raquel and Howard basically survive without trying to kill each other. That would yeah. be, that's a really good dynamic because I do see in order to change things up, maybe he ends up talking to Howard. Maybe Howard is successful to reaching through to Kanan. Um, I'm waiting to see what that reaction is with Raquel. Um, I don't know that if he would throw him out completely, that she would throw him out. I just feel that it's it's going to be a big shakeup in her plans. And again, going off with don't get too comfortable, if we're going with certain themes of the show and maybe it's foresighting or foreshadowing what's to come, that would be the best way. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, yeah, uh, those very, very good points by, by both, but by, 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 by Dana and as well as you, Gary. I was just going to add something else that, that Dana brought up on the last show is that the other element that makes this a very interesting story is while all this is happening, you still have Burke looking deeper into her partner. Uh, very suspicious of Howard and his activity. And I'm pretty sure that's going to continue to evolve as the season goes on. Because even last season, she was trying to figure out Howard is hiding something. What is it? Uh, she hasn't really solved that. That that you know, she hasn't really come to a conclusion on any of that stuff yet. So, while that story happening in the background, that might be that that's going to end up being a, a, a major threat to 
I feel, Howard and his relationship with Kanan in the future. Because if she does find out that they are related and that Raquel, he was involved with Raquel, she's going to be led to believe, okay, so maybe Howard is not a good cop. He might be dirty. And that that causes some issues. Because um, as you said, Gary, I don't think everybody would uh, be want to know that Howard and Raquel have ha- had a relationship in the past, given that they, they are both on the opposite ends of the law. So um, I'm very curious to see what happens. But her basically trying to get involved in this as well, I kind of feel like that's not going to end well for her. But uh, we'll see what happens, because at that moment, I think Howard would have to make a decision if he thought Burke was going to try and, you know, I don't know, arrest Cannon or take him away. That that's going to ha- he's going to have to make a decision because that's his partner. So those complexities makes it a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, let's say um, Raquel or Marvin or Lulu or somebody gets locked up, she could use that as leverage against Howard. So like, let's say you know Burke is responsible for locking up one of those, you know, Marvin, Lulu, or someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she could put pressure on Howard using Kanan, you know, by basically saying, like, you're not going to see him unless you fix this, you know, unless you get, you know, you get Marvin out or something, you know. So it's a very dangerous game that they're going to be playing. Um, and mm-hmm. Kanan, Kanan is going to get caught in the middle. So, unfortunately. So, <laughs> yep. And just to kind of piggyback off of that really quickly, don't forget the partner is also close, well, close-ish with Jukebox. And so I yeah. wonder what this is going yeah. to mean for their relationship. Is she going to continue to try to question her in order to get certain information? Uh, so there's a lot of different avenues that she can take this, but I don't think it's going to be very good or very wise for her character in the end. Yeah. Yeah, there there will be consequences, that's for sure. But um but yeah, great thoughts. Definitely want to hear more thoughts from the people also. But um so let's let's talk a bit about Scrappy. So, you know, we <laughs> we we kind of brought this up already, you know, in our takeaways and everything. Scrappy is no longer with us, sadly. You know, they, they say uh in the land of the blind, the the one eyed man is king, you know, so Scrappy, he 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 is a king now, you know. So <laughs> there's that, but but um, so I, I I guess the question is, um, you know, was this death warranted? Do you think? Like, was this death needed? Should it have happened? Um, is it you know a, a good thing to happen at this point in the story? Um, you know, just let me know your thoughts on that. You know, was was did did Scrappy deserve to be taken out in this episode? So um, go ahead, Dana. Let us know your thoughts. Well, I personally wouldn't have... Ow, sorry. I personally wouldn't have just outright killed him. Okay. I'm, I'm breathing. Um, I personally wouldn't outright have killed him until I got more assurance and everything. If you really looked at it, the whole episode was like a sad... Do we have to? Can we keep finding out more information situation? But I understand why they did it. Um, I just kind of feel that, um, again, everything that was going on with Scrap, remember how he he, he wanted more and he thought how he was going to get promoted? And I 
think that by taking certain shortcuts or side cuts, sorry, I don't know what's going on here. Um, that's how he would, you know, rise to the top that way. But he was his own downfall at the end by lying. And again, we were really not even sure if he was lying, which is another device that I really like because we're just as unsure as just as the characters were unsure. So I like how they did that. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, like we still don't know for sure if he was going to talk because it could have just been an interrogation. Like we, we didn't hear what he was saying to uh, the police. So, you know, there's a chance he could have not been snitching. But obviously he did lie about where he was when Marvin asked him. So um, there is that. But Rich, what do you think? Did, did Scrappy deserve to go? Well, first, let me just say that, uh, as was already mentioned by the both of you, you know, he had he had a gambling problem. I guess he decided to take a gamble on his life, and that was not a wise decision. So, uh, in my opinion, though, to answer the question, uh, I do think the death was warranted and needed because you need to show that Raquel has evolved as a character. The whole thing about her being the one to pull the trigger and take him out shows you that she's no longer ordering marvin and and lulu to do all the dirty work she'll still have them try to get involved to find out some information but the fact that she's willing to do it herself pull the trigger whatever that shows you the character has evolved it is crossing over into another type of territory and obviously she had she is in a higher position of power now this season so you expect these type of moves to be things that a boss makes so i think that that was needed just to just to show you but as you alluded to gary the bond that scrappy had with some of the other characters some of the bonds that he's had with other people such as kanan uh i'm very curious to know how you know they might react to this because eventually everybody's going to find out that this that he got killed there's going to be questions about what happened and you know that looking in the situation they currently don't have that you know they currently don't have anybody that's gunning for them you know yes unique is out you could make a question that maybe unique went after him but unique is still trying to establish himself once again in in his business enterprise so i don't think anyone's going to fully believe that but the fact that there wasn't anybody that was gunning after them in particular it's very suspicious so i'm very curious to see how everyone else is going to react to this news um but yeah, it's uh, I thought the death was warranted because again, it has a, a it serves a higher purpose in showing you how Raquel is changing as a character and what she is willing to do, how far she was willing to go to protect her business. So it made sense, but I'm very curious to see what the fallout will be now because there's definitely going to be some type of fallout after this. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, I, I wonder what the reactions are going to be from all the people, because because obviously Kanan did kind of build a bond with Scrappy now, mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah, I mean even like the people who work for Raquel, you know, even down to Worrell, you know, they Worrell, I should say, um, they they might look um, they might look at this and be like, you know. If something go, if if some, if I make a mistake, is she gonna get rid of me? You know, or something like they they might feel a certain way about that. You know, like because Scrappy was he was knee deep in the business with them. Like he was like 
a, a high ranking person in the operation, you know? Um, so yeah, like, I think there's going to be a lot of like reactions, a lot of, uh, you know, d different people looking at this and, and kind of, you know, um, feeling a certain way. So uh, definitely I'm looking forward to seeing that in the next episode, you know, what the reactions will be. Um, and I mean, you know, even Lulu and, and Marvin seemed like, you know, they felt a certain way about it. Like, you know, it was hard for them to look at it. It was hard for them to watch. So, yeah. Uh, but I do agree that this stuff needed to happen just because it builds character. It shows how serious she is now. Um, she doesn't need Marvin and Lulu to do to do the murders for her. She'll do it herself if need be, you know. So it's kind of like a, a character-defining moment. Like, you know, she's really on top of her game right now. Like, she's not letting anything get in the way. Um, but, yeah, Dana, you were going to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, remember one of the reasons why she wanted him dead was the fact that um, Scrap knew everything. She said that he could take us all down. So with that being said, I wonder if she's going to start moving differently in terms of who she tells the information to. Will she start breaking up information and tell different people different things, you know, in, in order to, you know, again, going back with that comfortability to not being so comfortable anymore? Because that was the whole main consensus as to why she wanted Scrap dead. He knew too much. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good point because... Now it's like the, the people who know the most are family, blood. So she can't just kill her blood. You know, she can't just kill her family like that. I mean, she could, but I don't think it's going to be the same, you know. So, uh, yeah, like that's a great point. Scrappy was like the, the one person who wasn't family who basically knew everything. So now he's gone. She can kind of restructure and make it so um, everybody is on a need-to-know basis. So... Yeah, it, it makes just, sense. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that, you know, in a way she is killing family, spirit-wise. <laughs> so we'll see what happens yeah. physically, but spiritually she's killing everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Scrappy was, he he, he was sort of like family. I mean, the, the, the dude did give an eyeball for, for, for the team. You know, he lost his eye for, for them. So, I mean, if you lose a body part like that, like an important function of your body, I, I think it's safe to say, you know, you're, you're kind of almost family at that point. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, definitely a, a, a definitive moment in the season. And it's only episode two. So I, I can't wait to see what else is in store. Um, but, yeah, let us know your thoughts in the comments, the people listening. Um, was Scrappy's death? you know, warranted. Let us know what you think. So uh, let's get to Unique. Um, so, you know, as we all kind of said earlier, his back is against the wall. He's he's kind of locked out of, of you know, the drug trade at the moment because he just got out of prison. Um, he doesn't have many options. Warrell just switched sides on him. Um, so, yeah, his back is against the wall and uh, the question is basically what do you think his next move is going to be, you know, because Dean doesn't want anything to do with him. So he doesn't have a source to get any product, any any drugs or anything to sell. So what do you think his next move might be? Um, 
So uh, I'll go to you first, Rich. What do you think? Well, uh, if I was unique, uh, I would try to look into seeing what I can do to try to hurt Raquel. I don't really know what he's going, what his angle is going to be. Um, obviously, he's going to try to. He wants to try to do what he can to try to stop her from getting money. So it's kind of hard to really determine. I know in this episode we did see that uh, where uh, Raquel was storing the money, there were rats that were starting to eat money at that at the uh, bodega. So that's there might be a bit of an issue there. Um, but I, I just think as as far as Unique's character is concerned, like like you said earlier in this podcast, Gary, it, his mindset is because he is so determined and he has to win, that makes him a very dangerous character. So I kind of feel like he's going to do everything in his power to really try and go after Raquel. But the other thing I do want to point out is that when he had the conversation with Worrell and Worrell alluded to him and said that, no, I'm working on something else right now. You know, there was a bit of a mention in that when they had that conversation saying that, yeah, you would have to go somewhere else and do something. Here's the thing. Even though Worrell is working for Raquel right now in the family, I don't know if I can trust that he's 100% loyal to them. After seeing, well, my my guess is that once he finds out about Scrappy, once everybody finds out about Scrappy, they're going to probably take a different look at how Raquel is running the organization. And they may want to look out for their own interests. But if I was Raquel as a character, I would not 100% trust Worrell. Can you take him out at any time? Absolutely, you can. But I would be very careful because, again, that was Unique's right-hand man. So even though he can't work with Unique and get him involved in this, you don't think he can't try to do some type of side operation and get him involved in that? I, I kind of think she would need she needs to consider that. Because to me, it just makes the most logical sense. They have a bond that's a lot stronger. So I kind of feel like they're going to try to find a way to work together in some capacity. But if I was unique, I probably may try to approach him. Maybe that will happen. or I will try and figure out something where I can get him involved. I have no idea. One thing I do want to say, though, before you get ready to go to Dana, I would love to see a angry, a much more angrier version of D'Angelo Barksdale to make a return and go after uh, Unique. Because as Dana mentioned earlier, I do feel that, uh, yes, the the um, the grandmother is probably running the operation. Uh, but if you're a Wire fan and you know that actor that plays Dean, you want to see him also get dirty. And, of course, he has these, these, these henchmen that are doing his work for him, like, you know, trying to rough up Unique when he came to try to talk to him. That's fine. But I kind of feel like that character is also a character that's in a position of power. I would love to see that hopefully, eventually, he has an encounter with Unique. Because the thing is, Unique is now trying to prove himself. And I kind of feel like once he does get in a position where he proves himself, he could very well go after Dean. Maybe he tries to go after and take him out. You you don't know. But what I'm saying is, as you said, Gary, that character is very dangerous now because he has nothing to lose. So it makes me very curious as a viewer to see which direction they're going to take that storyline from here on out. Oh, yeah, you, you actually make an excellent point because um, <laughs> a, a good power play for Unique would be to 
reached to a higher level than he was before, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when, when he was a free man. So he could completely sidestep what Raquel is doing and just, you know, maybe take out Dean and, you know, uh, fill Dean's position, become like a new plug, um, you know, a new supplier or something. So that that could be an interesting turn of events if he if he goes in that direction. But um, I guess he kind of has to build up, uh, you know, a team. He has to kind of develop more of a team to be able to accomplish something like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, it will probably take some work before he's ready to do to make a move like that. But that that's an interesting thought, though. Um, and, yeah, I do want to see more range from that character, Dean, as well, like you said, because, you know, we saw a lot more range from the actor in The Wire, you know, mm -hmm. he, uh, we saw him do many different things. So, yeah, I would love to see him kind of do more things in, in this show in particular. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Dana, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Unique? Like, uh, what do you think his next moves might be? You know, will he, will he do something to hurt Kanan or Raquel? Or, you know, what's, what's, he, what, what's he got up his sleeve, do you think? I think if he was to do anything to hurt Kanan, that would be an all-out war that he would be on the losing end so on. See, remember, right now he has absolutely no connect that anybody does. People don't want to touch him at the moment. Um, and also, um, I feel that for him to go directly at Raquel wouldn't be a very smart move, especially with no one on his side. I feel that right now it's best he lays low and starts working from the inner. I know that you mentioned the part with Dean, and I do feel that Dean is going to be a major roadblock, but I don't think that he can tackle him right now. I feel it's going to be more of trying to just lay low and figuring out what everyone is doing. We do know that Raquel is making some moves, and that in this episode, remember she went to go to a realtor to look at a house? And so I feel that maybe that is a house for the for the family to have a nice new personal home or maybe this is more property for her to expand her business in but i feel that this is that she right now for unique he has to just watch everyone and see what moves are being made and then he can kind of react or maybe new york right now is not best for him maybe he can build up something in another state but I don't feel that he's going to go away, especially after his huge conversation that he had um, with, with Dean and that how he was so eager to go back and be like, hey, I'm back, baby. And Dean was like, no, you're not. But he didn't like just walk away and say, you know, okay, bye. He kind of, there was fight still left in him. And I feel that that's going to be the best approach. He can't come directly. He's going to have to do it indirectly and we'll start making silent moves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He has to uh, he has to be real careful with how he approaches things. He has to kind of like lay low a little bit, I think. Um, but yeah, um, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of directions they can go. Um, and there, there was like this, this moment, I don't know if it's going to lead anywhere but there was a moment in the bodega where uh, Raquel um, you know keeps the money and everything 
Um, and like she, when she was walking out, she had like a stare down with, with that woman. Um, I think, I think it's unique skull. Um, yeah, I, there was, there was yeah, another it was. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that's going to lead some, like maybe, I don't know. Cause if, if his girl saw Raquel at the bodega and you know, maybe there's, there's some way he can use that. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, but, um, yeah, any more thoughts on Unique before we uh, move on? Oh, no, I'm just looking forward to seeing where the character goes from here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great, great actor, too. Again, you know, Joey, Joey Badass, he's doing he's doing his thing on this on this show. So props to him. Um, So let me see what else. OK, so. Uh, Richard said something uh, uh, interesting earlier uh, about Jessica, you know, when during his takeaways where he was talking about, you know, um, she might come back if if something happens to famous. And that that's a good point. Um, And I actually had a question relating to exactly that of, you know, will we see this character again? Is she going to return? Because it was very abrupt how how she just decided to leave because Crown got her this opportunity and, you know, um, she, she kind of left things on a bad, you know, on a bad vibe with Lulu. Um, of course we saw, you know, she's actually been sleeping with Crown as well behind his back. I don't know how Lulu would feel about that, you know, if, if he knew, um, but yeah. So like, do you see that character coming back or is she just gone? Um, and, you know, do you feel, maybe what rich said you know maybe that might be the case you know um of something happens to famous or he he passes away and then she returns like what what do you think dana do you think we'll see jessica again oh she sorry sorry about that um i do feel that yes one of the things that she said before she was leaving was i gotta look out for myself because no one else is going to do it and hopefully she doesn't end up as you, you know, those those sad tales that we hear about with singers who end up going to LA and they end up strung out and used and everything else. Hopefully that's not the case. I want her to be very successful and that when she does come back, she comes back to probably help others. Remember, Lulu is still in the whole music thing. Maybe she becomes successful enough where she's able to help him to rise you know, in, in, as a producer. So that's one of the things that I'm looking forward for. I don't want something to be so much sadness. I do want her to make it, and I do want her to come back. Also, remember, she has a brother um, who right now is desperately struggling and how I hope does not turn into Pookie. And so I just need her to make sure she takes care of herself and then maybe come back and see if she can help others. interesting yeah i mean i'd like to see the character again you know um so hopefully this isn't the end for the character and she does make a return but uh, rich you know i know you kind of spoke about this earlier but do you have any more thoughts on that you know on jessica and and if she she'll actually return maybe even in this season yeah so let me say that i like what dana said about her returning you know, to be in a much higher position of power than Lulu. Although I do think if that happens, 
she is she's going to want to try to do better than Lulu and and Crowd Camacho. I don't think she's going to want to help them in any capacity. Now, but but I, I do believe the character is going to return twofold. Number one, because I do feel as though the path that Famous is going down, it's not going to end well for him. And that'll be a reason to get her back. But also, there is the mounting tension that's going on between Lulu and Camacho. And you've seen that last season when he got involved and when he when, when Lulu was basically paying for all of the stuff that they were doing there. Um, and then you see it going into this season. And like you said, Gary, I don't know if he knows that she's been sleeping around with Crown Camacho. I don't I mean I would assume he does because he knows that she he played a role in getting her that 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 position but what what the, the the way that this ends is it's not going to end positively because both of those characters are on a collision course something's definitely going to happen between Crown Camacho and Lulu Lulu can definitely take him out as well if he decide if it has to come to that point but something is going to happen it's not going to happen yet but it's it, it feels like it feels like it's headed in that direction but uh, as for Famous, yeah, unfortunately, famous, something will happen to Famous. When something happens to Famous, it's going to impact Kanan, and it's going to impact Jukebox, but definitely Kanan, because you saw in this episode, Kanan was doing what he could to try to help his boy out with selling the mixtapes. So I kind of feel like that's the, that's the natural direction for things to go. But when something happens to Famous, you'll definitely see Jessica return because she'll want answers about what happened to her brother. And then, of course, with her coming back, that's going to rile up tension again between that's already going on between Lulu and uh, Crown Camacho. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing how they handle that. But I, I definitely don't think that's the last we've seen of that particular character on the show. Yeah, great points, because, yeah, there, there, there definitely is some tension between uh, Crown and Lulu. Um, you you sense it even when they introduce the new character, Cardiar, whatever his name is, the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of proposed some some kind of singles deal for uh, Zisa, the singer or whatever. And, um, you know, it seemed like Lulu was receptive to the offer, but Crown wasn't, you know. So they're definitely building up tension between those two. And, um, and Jessica will, you know, she's definitely going to be like a... a she she might be a big part of that, you know, because there had to be a reason why we saw her sleeping with Crown, you know, in, in that in the last episode. So, yeah, I think she'll she'll definitely stir some stuff up. Go ahead, Rich. I agree. Uh, do you also think it's possible that Lulu might get uh, uh, linked romantically with Ziza, or is or, or or is he going to try to just keep this a business relationship? That's that's a great question because, yeah, in the in the first episode, it looked like that might happen, like just the way that he kind of you know, um, uh, got her interested in 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 being a singer, like when he tried to go out of his way to get her attention in the car and stuff, like it seemed like, uh, there was you know he 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 was kind of attracted to her, but, um. It's, I, I think he's very he's thinking very business minded, so maybe he's trying to keep it separate, like trying to keep his desires separate, you know, from the business. Um, but it could always happen, you know. There there could be a, a late session that they do together, recording a song, and then they get close. You know, it it can happen at any moment. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a possibility, and maybe 
when Jessica returns, she even sees them together or something. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, one one last point I will mention, and then if, if Dana wants to add anything else, I, I will say, as far as the new character that was introduced, that that character feels as though he's going to be very protective of her. So that's why I say there could be some tension coming. So if Lulu ever did try to take something, you know, have some type of romantic encounter with her, that could impact business. That'll definitely impact that guy wanting to to work with those two. So I kind of feel like there's a lot of tension coming as far as the music stuff is concerned in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know what? Oh, go ahead, Dana. Oh, no, I just really wanted to say that I really like the Cartier character. And also, um, would Raquel even allow Lulu to have any kind of relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Be honest right now. Yeah, she she does seem very controlling. Um, She seems more controlling of Lulu than uh, Marvin sometimes, like, which is which is interesting. Um, But yeah, uh, she's very like she she doesn't like this whole music business at all. It seems like Mm -hmm. so. um, It would be interesting to see if she maybe does something to sabotage the business later on. But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But um, I also think you know. Jessica, she might be the cause of the the East Coast West Coast rap music war because, like, you know, she's <laughs> she's out there in LA. She's gonna meet Dr. Dre and Suge Knight. You know, uh, maybe maybe uh, she causes the beef. Maybe Lulu finds out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, great thoughts overall on that. Uh, definitely leave your comments on that discussion. Um, we're running a bit over, so that is it for the questions for now. But um, I will let you know both of you um, give any final thoughts on the episode that you have. So before we end off, Rich, do you have any final thoughts at all about this episode? So, yeah, final thoughts. Uh, I thought this was another great episode of Razor Canaan. Uh, rest in peace to Scrappy. And I look forward to seeing where the storyline goes from here. Indeed, indeed. And Dana, any final thoughts? Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me is at the very end when 56 is narrating and he says, sometimes there's nothing to say, no lesson to learn. That really stuck out for me. And then also, I'm really looking forward to seeing what lies ahead for Jukebox. Because she has been looking for her mama. Yeah, yeah. That that was a. I, I do like like some of Fifty Cent's comments like in this season. Like that was a, a really cool way to end off like the show when he said that. Like sometimes there's nothing to say. Like that was a cool cool way to end off. But um, yeah, uh, I don't really have a final thought, but. I'm just I'm just really loving it so far. Like two two episodes in, this is already better than some other shows I watched this year. Um <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, big shouts to stars and the whole team behind this this show in particular. It's it's great. I love it. So that's my final thought. But um let's get a quick round of shout outs also before we uh wrap things up. Rich, do you have any shout outs? 
Yeah, I want to definitely give a shout out to you both. As I say, always great having these discussions with the both of you. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Stars for, you know, allowing us to cover the show. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out, especially to all of the people that listen and support the show. If they watch on YouTube or listen on Spotify or any of the other streaming platforms, we, we very much appreciate your continued support. Uh, feel free to leave your thoughts on this episode and answer some of the questions that uh, we had that we discussed. Cause I'm very curious to hear what a lot of you think about what's happening on this particular show right now. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for the continued support. We look forward to coming back uh, next week for the next episode. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Dana, any shouts? Yeah, kind of just also to reiterate, thank you so much to Stars. Uh, thank you to, to Leslie, who is a part of Stars, for just being so wonderful. And we have a bunch of interviews that we were able to do. We were able to be a part of press conferences. So, Shout out to that. Shout out to Sasha Penn, who is the showrunner. And, and you know, thank you for creating such a wonderful show on top of that. Also, we will have a lot more information, a lot more interviews coming with the cast of Raising Canaan. And we'll have more material going forward with, with um, basically the show. Um, thank you to everyone who listens and supports us. And we will, of course, we'll, we like doing this, so we will continue to do this. And we have other things also on the website um, that you can check. We have a huge She-Hulk interview that we've done. Um, we have Andor's coming up. We have Andor screenings that are coming up. So a lot of Marvel content as well. If you like that, we have a whole other array of stuff that will be coming within the weeks. So. This once again, thank you to everyone. Indeed, indeed. I know uh, Dana's working hard on those interviews, so you know, shouts to that. Can't can't wait to see them. So, yeah, um, and yeah, I pretty much gave my shouts already. Big shouts to Stars, the entire team behind Raising Kingdom, the actors and everything. Um, I heard a few people watch the show, so so that's an honor, you know, to hear that. Um, but yeah, we will be back next week um, to recap episode three of Raising Kane season two. So please do tune in, join us then. For now, have a great week and I'm looking forward to the comments. So peace out, everyone.